Airbnb. I, I love I love your headboard. Yeah, is it? Like, um, it, it it matches it matches your uh holy cow oh my god what Gilmore girl room did you get <laughs> hello and welcome live from Bahaba in Maine. This is a this. It's always a remote edition every time on the Fifty Five One podcast. But um, I'm Westerdine, and I'm joining you from uh, from the seaside in Maine. Uh, and uh, on on the phone call, joining us from the the seaside of Saint Paul, Corey Schreppel, the other part of the seaside of Saint Paul, uh, Rodrigo Sanchez Javaria. And then, uh, then we've got a, a special guest with us, uh, Jeffrey Besoy, who's down in, uh, the seaside of Mexico City, I guess. Uh, if we're all, you know, sea is a relative concept, but, uh, uh, Jeffrey, sea, sea is also you are, you're, you're from the Twin Cities. I'll give you a full introduction, but, um, at least how, how is this, the seaside in, in Mexico City right now? I, I wish there was a seaside of Mexico City, actually. I think that is the one thing this city is missing is a body of water. But in fact, the city was built on a body of water that's dried up. Uh, yes. But it's all good. It's all good. Mexico City is is starting to get lively again. And it's a good time besides uh, the gloomy clouds. Um, Jeff, is a, is a, for all of you out there, is a journalist, podcaster, worked for NPR, The Current, Sahan Journal, the Plug, On Being, Crooked Media. Um you are um, the co-founder of Plugged, which is a media and tech company that uh, is curating space for black creatives, entrepreneurs, and consumers. You, So I want to ask you about that in a minute. You're also going to be writing for um, Vida y Deportes, which is a new website that's bilingual covering um, Minnesota sports, including, obviously, soccer. Um, being Being started, it's launching this week, I think. Um, by, by people who we are friends with and, and want to see support. So I do want to say quickly, people should go to Vida, V-I-D-A, D-I-D-A, E, in the Y, and Deportes, um, dot com. Did I get that right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Great. Sorry. I should have double checked before I did the, the plug. Um, you also worked on the Freddie Adu American Prodigy podcast with Grant Wall. And, um, now you're, you're from St. Paul, but now you're in Mexico City. That's, um, that, that I'd leave anything out. Cameroon native, you know, Cameroon born in Cameroon. Can't forget that. Do, um, do you, when you're in Mexico City, like, are, are people like, do they peg you as an American or do you like just try to pick and choose which, what you get pegged as? I pick and choose for sure. I think it's always kind of like interesting to see what people think I am. More often than not, if I'm walking by myself, they'll typically think I'm a gringo. Um, just cause tall black man in Mexico city, I get stopped a lot. I get asked for photos a lot. I'm kind of like a neighborhood celebrity in these streets. Um, <laughs> but if I'm walking with my, my fiance, uh, we're walking around the streets and we're speaking Spanish. Um, my, my Spanish accent when I'm really in the mood is more Caribbean sounding than a lot of folks usually think I'm probably Venezuelan. Some folks think I'm Cuban. Um, some rare folks think I'm Colombian. I don't know about all that. Um, so it really depends on who, who I'm with. 
Um, at the park, cause I, cause I play a lot of basketball, I play a lot of soccer. You know, I just let folks straight up like I'm Cameroonian or if I'm really not in the mood because yeah. some people like like to heckle me, I'll just be like, I'm from France. I got half, my half my family lives in France. I'm like, you suis français. And they're like, oh, OK. Que chévere. OK. OK. Bet. Cool. <laughs> I hate that word. Chévere just drives me the wrong way. <laughs> OK, padre. <laughs> that is the other thing. That I don't understand. Like literally like what father? What? I mean, like, like I, I've told the story. I told the story before me and my wife, my wife's of. Uh, of Mexican uh, descent, her parents are um, from Zacatecas. So, like when we got married, one of the first things we like we had to like figure out these idioms, right? And so she said, one day she said, "Go get me, go get me el burro." And I'm here thinking, where the heck do we owe a donkey? <laughs> where is a donkey? <laughs> right? Because that's my head, right? I'm like, yeah. Where's the donkey? I was like, donkey. I'm like, I bought her an Eeyore. Like stuffed animal, like, and I'm like, and I'm trying to like process in my head. I was like, well, either I got it right, or I'm just gonna get yelled at. So I just walked in with an EO into the door, and she yells at me. She goes, "No, go get me, go, go get me, go get me the burro." And I'm like, "What's a burro?" It's like it's a donkey. It's like, no, that thing when you ironing the ironing board. It's like tabla de planchar. That's not a that's not a no burro. And I was like. And I'm like, and it took me, and I had to research. I researched, like I went into research. This is before, like we had like full blown Google and Wikipedia and all the other different things, right? So I went into Wilson Library because I was like, I was a, I was an undergrad student. And I looked it up, in idioms, and I was asking, is like because uh, a donkey as a pack animal has a flat back, uh, it's perfect for that. So they, they were referring to the flat back, and I was, I was like, wow, I've been mind blown. But that's what that, that's what a burro. And and here I thought she was sending you out to get get a burrito because they oh, also call burritos no, burros. No. So I was just like, wait, what? <laughs> no, at that point when she was pregnant with Isa, I think the one thing she sent me on like was for Dairy Queen runs, right? Like at eight fifty five, when Dairy Queen closes at nine. Man, <laughs> um, uh. Um, Jeffrey, while, while I've got you, I'm curious about Plugged, which is the, the tech company that um, I remember seeing when, when you launched a little, little while ago. Tell me, in, in your words, what, what is Plugged and, and what, what, yeah, tell me about it. Yeah, so Plugged and the app that we're building called the Plugged app, it's a, it's a platform for Black creatives to really kind of build portfolios for themselves um, that enable them to build a client base, enable them to connect to other black creatives. Um, it's something that allows as a tool that allows them to find different jobs and opportunities. So especially now, as we keep talking about like the freelancer economy, um, a lot of people don't really know how to freelance. I'm still learning how to freelance properly. And I've been in the game for a few years now. Um, but having a place that you can always come back to to find those sort of opportunities or people that are looking for your services can be challenging, especially when you are a black creative. So someone that's you're either a writer or you work in audio or you work with video or maybe you're just an entertainer or an influencer. There are folks always looking for that sort of skills and talent. So we wanted to make it easier for that talent to kind of shine, showcase what they can do. Um, so there's going to be some, you know, a, a, a unique sort of profile and user experience for them to showcase what they can do that's different from other social medias. Um, it's also a platform that we're building for companies as well to source for diverse talent for their organizations and for their companies um, so that, you know, we never have to hear again, 
well, we would love to hire diverse, but we just don't know where to look. Or, you know, yeah. we're really on a time crunch. And so we're just going to hire for the best person available. Well, if you have the talent already available on a platform and you're already on the platform with a commitment that you want to be better at being diverse and engage better with black communities, then you, the, the rush, when you're in a rush, just pull up to the platform. You're going to find what you're looking for. And you can invite them mm-hmm. to apply to the job. So that's what we're currently building with the plugged app um, and things are currently in development. Cool. That's awesome. Um, how far are you from, from the app? Is, is that like something you're just da- daily? Like, I don't know, it could be next month or is it, <laughs> is it still like a long way out? So we're, we're a little bit of a ways out. So a few months ago, we ran a Kickstarter campaign, um, where mm-hmm. we raised $108,000, uh, got a hundred thousand dollars because Kickstarter ate the rest of it. Um, so <laughs> right now we're in our development phase. So we have my, my tech co-founder, Jared and our team of developers, and we're going to be contracting a few more people to help build this out. Cause there's a lot of moving pieces, um, currently working on it. Um, and then we're looking at a potential launch date in February of 2022. So before we launch in February, um, we're hoping to be able to do a, a few different focus groups with different business leaders that would love to use this tool as a, as a sourcing, potentially recruiting tool. Um, be able to do a few focus groups with different black creatives because we want to make sure that, yeah, this is a dope idea, but this is something that really can change the way that people do, do and operate their businesses or operate their brands, um, and make connections as well. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so. We'll look forward to that. Um, can you just, uh, while we've got you then, uh, what is your, your, uh, where can people find you on Twitter? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at the Jeff Basoy. That's T H E J E F F Basoy, which is B I S S O Y. You can find me on Twitter. I'm often there tweeting away, talking about sports as of late. Um, it's the same at as well for, uh, Instagram. And if you want to follow plugged and follow our journey, it's at the plugged app on both Twitter and Instagram, but we're much more active on Instagram. Awesome. Um, let's, uh, let's go to some, uh, headline news and stuff. Um, because it'll let me ask you also about soccer in Mexico and Mexico city. But let's start with the, the good news. Um, I've missed the last couple of days of the Euros because I've been driving, um, with slightly, um, yelling, angry, uh, six year olds in the back of the car. So, um, but the good was that first of all, Christian Erickson was released from the hospital. He was able to, um, visit the, the Danish team before their game today. And then, uh, or before, I think during training. And then, uh, lo and behold, they play Russia, who, um, look like they're, uh, they have not, they've either been roiding too much or they didn't get the steroids from the last, uh, from the World Cup. Um, they, uh, they, it was a 4 1 route. Um, uh, Andreas Christensen made it 3 1 with an absolute screamer of a goal. Eventually it was 4 1. And uh, that put Denmark in second place, even though they lost their first two games, which is pretty freaking awesome. Uh, I'm so- going it, it, to – my favorite – I watched that goal live, and one of my favorite parts on the on the international feed was just watching the immediate fan reactions. Like, it's, it's on Twitter a little bit, but it's like mm-hmm. there's these – it's just this camera in front of these two women's faces and just the – 
just the release, it's like, that's what it's about, man. Especially that. Oh. That with, after Christian Erickson's injury and just everything that was just the emotional roller coaster of this group stage to be a Denmark fan in the stadium. When that rip hits, that seals basically seals the deal for you guaranteeing a spot in the knockout rounds. It's gotta be unbelievable. And and I got to chime in there for one second, Corey, you, you can't forget that is Mr. Champions league winner Christensen. Oh, All right. Shit. You, you, you got a Chelsea, Chelsea fan up here. So you, you gotta, you gotta make sure to announce that because it wasn't just a screamer. That was a screamer from a Champions League winner right there. And so I think that had to be even sweeter for Denmark. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thanks. Thanks for reminding us that you won the Champions League. Um, anyway, I'm really excited about Denmark. I had picked them uh, as my sleeper to win the tournament. So I'm glad that I, I still uh, have that. Um, so uh, the bad... And who wants to tell this story? This is about the Mexican national team yeah. getting uh, sanctioned by FIFA. Yeah, so so FIFA brought some sanctions on the Mexican national team after their uh, Nations League. It was Nations League against the U.S. and then uh, the match before that. I forget which who, who it was against. But um, there is the chant. We know the chant. We're not going to talk about the chant. But FIFA sanctioned the Mexican national team after... A very long time of kind of, uh, you know, empty threats uh, to try to curb the use of said chant. And basically what they came down with is the next two home matches of official matches for the Mexican national team have to be played behind closed doors when at home. Those happen to be two World Cup qualifiers in the octagon or whatever they're calling it right now. Um, If the chant continues... When there are fans in the stadium, um, the sanctions could range from point deductions during qualifiers or in official competitions um, if they qualify. Um, it could mean a ban for World Cup 22 and and or um, they could have their host privileges revoked Host, pri- host privileges, meaning automatic qualification for World Cup uh, 2026 when U.S., Canada, and Mexico all jointly um, uh, host that round. So, it's it's got some consequences. We'll see if it sticks. What episode of Club de Cuervos is this? Is my, is, is, is what would be my next question. Because this is totally right out of Club de Cuervos when they get sanctioned for whatever... Um, but I mean, I here, like, you know, honestly, like, like most of like, uh, Liga MX has been played in closed doors most of the season. And like another reason they're beginning to let fans in. So I don't see much of a punishment being just keep playing at closed doors for, for the national team. I would have liked to see points deducted, I think, uh, to actually call and make, and make a stronger statement. But and this is FIFA and. Singles with UEFA, they really don't really like to make a, a, a firm stand on, on, on a lot of things in human rights issues and all the different things. We can go down the list of how horrible they are, specifically uh, UEFA and, and FIFA and Comebol and Coca-Cola. We can throw them all in there and just throw them into the burn pile because that's literally what they need to, to do. But, but I mean, I mean, it, it's good that they're taking first steps and they're actually, but this has been like decades in the making. Right. And, um, 
which is just, you know, one of those unfortunate things that uh, people always try to excuse with, like, it's a different idiom. It means something else, different else. It's like, no. O- offensive and oppressive language is offensive, oppressive worldwide. And if, if you can't deal or you can't handle your fans or you can't handle the people that support you, then you deserve to be hit where it hurts the most, which is either money, like in your pockets with sponsors, or, or taking points away for qualification rounds. Yeah, Jeffrey, I'm curious if you have any perspective on, on what like people around, like what the media in Mexico City was saying or what people you kind of talked to upset uh, about this. Is it being taken seriously, you think? I think it's taken fairly seriously, but I, I, I think when you talk about changing the actual culture, there, there's a lot that goes into it, right? Because exactly what Rodrigo is talking about is that this is something that has been chanted for over a decade now. And in recent years, before they even got sanctioned, a lot of folks here were just talking about like, yo, we actually really need to change this up. Um, especially because where I live in Mexico City is one of the more progressive cities in the entire country. Um, Mexico City is a very a gay-friendly city. And so for a lot of folks here, it's like, why are we still singing this? Like this, this shouldn't be a thing. But of course, as you can imagine, a lot of people outside of Mexico don't get this, but there are 32 states in this massive country. Um, and they're all extremely, extremely different. So the folks that I'm hanging around with having conversations about this, not necessarily represent the other regions, um, mm-hmm. either, but I can certainly tell you that from the folks I'm te- that I've been speaking to is that, yeah, this is, this could have some direct implications into Mexico's, you know, world qualifiers because already in Mexico, they're feeling the heat. After that nation cups lost to the U.S., a lot of folks here are really concerned about the future of Mexico, not from a talent perspective, but recognizing that the U.S. has really risen in the world. And they see this current generation really taking steps, whereas Mexico for themselves, they feel that they've taken a giant step back since the 2018 World Cup. So it will be really, Mm. truly interesting to see how it all unfolds. Yeah. Yeah. And you haven't been able to get to a game yet, right? Because you've uh, you got there right right before the pandemic. No, I I wasn't able to because I got here in October 2019, and their seat the La Liga La, La Liga doesn't really start until around January in the winter time, and the pandemic literally started. At least things shut down here in March, and so not enough time to get out there. But it certainly had I I have to say probably like the highlight for me of being here in Mexico and just as a soccer fan was when Chicharito decided not to come come to play in La Liga Mexicana. And he decided to play in the MLS. The uproar from <laughs> ESPN Deportes when Chicharito decided to not come home. I mean, you could, you could hear the entire country just sob and weep. Like it was like the biggest like scandal for them. Like how could a Mexican national not come home? And again, like I was saying before, Mexico sees the U.S. as a direct competitor, not just on an international um, scale, but also from a domestic uh, league scale as well, because they're seeing the money that's coming into the MLS. They're seeing the loss of high profile players or even that mid tier profile players from other regions of the world going to the MLS now. And they're starting to get concerned about their level of football here in Mexico. And so, um, those are conversations that are being held. And so when they saw that Chicharito was coming back to this side of the world and wasn't coming back home, it was a slap in the face. Like you could have elevated soccer here, but you decided to go to the Americans. We don't like that. <laughs> uh, I, I did notice that uh, that 
Mexico hosts the U.S. in the qualifiers, not until March 24th uh, next year. So hopefully get the pandemic figured out by then so that uh, that we can all stay on your uh, on your futon for that game. Wow, for sure. Um, yeah. Let's move on to uh, to the to the weird, uh, which um, Rodrigo. I need you to tell me the story. This all <laughs> broke while I was driving, so I I I don't know anything about it, and I I need you to, to fill me in. Wait, you're not you're not gonna the the go directly to the to the Chile apologist of the podcast? No, no, no. I I think he wants to feel like just just your I, happiness with the yeah, story. Yeah, I, I need I need I need the I got the I got tagged so much on Twitter and I didn't know what was going on and like all of a sudden Diego Montalvan like 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 sends me an emoji and I'm like, wait, what's going on? Yeah. Diego Montalvan is sending me an emoji. I I, I gotta pay attention and I'm like The second one, I, the second I saw this story post, I was like Oh, Rodrigo needs to know about this right now. <laughs> oh. tell, the, tell the listeners what we're talking about. Though. All right. So in <laughs> the world of Copa America in or COVID America, as they call it, in the, which is being played in Brazil, um, the Chilean national team, who's playing probably not the greatest soccer we've seen them play in a while, um, right? Not since, uh, not since Vidal drove drunk crashed his car, killed someone, and played the next game type of uh, level of... Uh, of, of uh, they um, were able to... Uh, they broke COVID bubble protocol. And Vidal and company said that they uh, invited a barber uh, to cut their hair, which I don't know why Vidal needs a haircut to start with. Uh, and... Um, and a bunch of other players, and of course, in the, in the era of social media, they took pictures with the barber. Not only that, but there were also rumors that have been verified now that they um, they kind of pulled a a, a, a club de America uh, move, a la Benedetti, as we shall call it, and invited um, certain uh, folks up to party and. Do a really, really raunchy rendition of Red Shoe Diaries. Um, <laughs> um, and of course, as we all know, as, as people who, who, who have association with Latin America or South America, Mexico, everything puts up, is put up in WhatsApp and all the pictures made it on there with players' faces and all the other stuff. But nothing happened. Like the, the Chilean, the Chilean uh, National Federation put out a statement. Uh, Vidal still played. Everyone else pretty much played. No one really got sanctioned, which brings me up the whole thing of, of when Vidal crashed his car and was able to play in a final. Um, but in addition to that, right, uh, the Chilean national team started wearing a patch of the Chilean, uh, crest on their Nike jerseys. And you ask why? Well, because they are in a scuffle, legal scuffle in which uh, even though Nike made their jerseys, there's a contract in which I believe they are supposed to have display their jersey or wear the jersey for 10 games. But uh, because of COVID, they weren't no qualifiers or friendlies until literally a couple of months ago. And so um, Nike pretty much, uh, you know, decided not to pay them for their royalties for not doing that. And so... Uh, if you, if you take a Chilean's money, 
you're going to make them really red and angry. And so they really got to know what La Roja feels like. And, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to see what comes out of this whole thing. What, what kind of drama, what kind of telenovela ends up up to be. But, but, you know, I, you know, I, and the only thing I see is this, you know, it's like, I, I understand contract negotiations, but we also have to understand real life and the aspect of it. It's like, who is going to play who during this time? Nobody really could. Yeah. And so I don't know. It's just, it's just really, like Chile is red hot in the Copa America, and for all the great reasons, that's all I have to yeah. say. <laughs> I mean, th- as of this taping, they did they did uh, beat Uruguay and went into the uh, guaranteed their spot in the next round uh, after a one one draw this afternoon. So, um, you know. Yeah, but this get. is the Copa America where you can win one game oh, and yeah. make it into well, the. That's, that's yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> so, like, that's the thing about this tournament six, right now. Like, but a hey, team le- with it, one win. At least they. At least it. they have. At least their hair looked great. <laughs> All right, I want to take a break. We have got some more Copa America and, and Euro stuff that we want to talk about, but uh, but we need to uh, we need to cool down and, and take uh, take some phone calls from our angry Chilean listeners who are. Who feel besmirched by the Vigo. Back on the 551 podcast. All right, let's talk about the Euros. And uh, you guys can just tell me what happened the last few days. Um, I, I've had uh, a, a comrade, Mark Provatsky, uh, manning the bar for all the games. Uh, so do go watch soccer at the Black Heart with him because. Um, cause he'll be lonely without people, you know, we all need connection in this day and age, but, um, uh, tell me, uh, what, what, what's been the, the highlight of the last few days, uh, last week, uh, and for the Euros, uh, Portugal scoring four goals in a match, but still losing four, two, <laughs> I mean, two own goals in the span of five minutes is just brilliant. Germany has, uh, has overcome the curse of, of, um, amazing Chelsea star Timo Werner, who can't seem to find the net. Um, and uh, uh, France had a shock draw to Hungary. Um, Poland eked out a draw. Um, I don't know. There's been some. There's been some interesting, interesting matches. I mean, Netherlands has been kicking ass. Belgium has do- been doing exactly what we expect them to do. Um, and Switzerland basically shut out Turkey. Um, Frank de Boer's going to win the win. The Euros. I think when, 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 when Netherlands went up three, uh, two nil and then hit that third goal and they just cut to a photo, uh, to the shot of Frank DeBoer, I just imagine him thinking, wishes that he were back in Mercedes Benz stadium going, mm-hmm. ah, you know, this is, this is nothing like being in Satan's butthole. Like it's just, yeah. you know, or, or, or opti- was it? It was, uh, no, it's not Me- Satan's Megatron's butthole. Megatron's, Megatron's butthole. butthole. Yeah. It's, it's all the same. You know, Atlanta's super hot. It you easily gets confused. Satan Megatron. Uh, <laughs> my favorite thing about this whole thing is that the most hated national team outside of South America, Spain, is more than likely not going to qualify for the next round. And that makes me happy. Down with the colonizers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Corey, I had a question for you. How, how does it feel as a Liverpool fan to, oh. one, know that uh, Gigi Wijnaldum is not coming back, but uh, secondly, to see him look so amazing he's probably he's arguably being one of the top three players in the euros yeah uh how, how's that been for you i mean th- this is the this is the thing for genie one album like 
he he wants to be he wants to play more forward, but he had to be a more of a workhorse in Liverpool system, and there's just not space for him. And yeah. but he, I mean, he still did the job. But this is why he's this is why he's going to PSG. This is, but like, where's he going to play in PSG? Is he still going to be a box to box eight? But this is why he plays so well with the Netherlands, and why I love watching him play on the Netherlands because he plays as a 10 or he plays as like an attacking minded eight rather than just a box to box, you know, uh, eight midfielder who is just controlling the ball and, and opening up passing lanes. He is their superstar. He is one, like, I mean, you know, Memphis Depay is, 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 was doing incredible as well, but like genie is, is their workhorse and is their creative spark. And, Especially when you don't have Virgil Van Dyke behind you, like it's all on him. So yeah. it's just like good for him. I mean, they couldn't figure out the contract that happens. He's going to go somewhere where hopefully he can be a ten-ish or a, an, an eight paired with with a creative ten. It's a bummer, but you saw it coming. I mean, I, th- I think he'll be a ten. I mean, when you look at PSG currently. Um, they don't have really a lot of attack minded midfielders because they just stack up in defensive mid so their wingers and strikers can go haywire. Exactly. Um, at a certain point, they're basically playing four to five attackers in Verratti, um, and Idrissa Guy were just holding down the midfield. So I think he'll fit in perfectly. But to, to take it back to the Euros, I think Wes, you haven't missed out on much. Italy's been good. They've, you know, basically, I gotta say, I, I have to unfortunately say Italy's been great. <laughs> as a Les Bleus fan, as a French fan, uh, I can never show too much appreciation for Italians. Um, my, my apologies to any Italians that listen to the pod. Um, but apologize, you know, but Italy is great. Know what they did. Italy is great. I've had a lot of friends just beef with me like, yo, Jeff, you gotta put some love on Italy. I'm like, I don't trust old teams that struggle yeah. and attack for the last decade. I just put no zero stock in that. Um, but Italy's come out and they've proved us wrong. Their defense has only let in, I believe, one goal this entire tourney. They've had the, the, the best defense of the entire Euros and, uh, and the attack has been pretty incredible as well. Um, outside of them, I think Netherlands have been pretty impressive. Denmark's win today was impressive. And, um, I, I'm really intrigued about two teams in the Euros, um, which are, Italy's letting zero goals. Yeah, thanks Thanks for the checkup on that. They let in zero goals the entire tournament. Um, I'm really intrigued about France and England. Um, as a French fan, I, c- I can't get on this pod and not voice my concerns about what I've been seeing thus far. Clearly, they got the big win against Germany in a not-so-convincing fashion, in my own honest opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but the draw against Hungary is concerning to me, and I think it's something that I've been seeing, even dating back to the world cup that they won, you know, when they won the world cup in 2018, obviously I was the happy, they won on my birthday. I was so happy. I was jumping up and down. I was going crazy. Um, and I was also saying that the, the first African team won the world cup. Um, and I was still concerned though, because you have all this talent, but this Sean got them looking like a Mourinho squad. They had, he has them looking like Tottenham out here. And when you have that many world-class players, Hey man, I call it how I see it. <laughs> I'm an e- what do you say of a coach, though? That's the difference. Oh. But is he, though? <laughs> uh, I'm an equal opportunity hater. You, that's one thing yeah. I appreciate about me. I'll, I'll hate on anyone, including Chelsea. Um, but when I look at this Shang and him playing that super defensive, counterattacking style of play, although efficient, 
I get concerned when they go out and play teams that are content with just sitting back and waiting for their opportunities because you're not building confidence in your midfield. You're not building confidence in your attack. And in that game against Germany, even though they had a few goals that were offsides, every time they try to build momentum playing out from the back, they often lost it just outside their box or before they even got to the half line. And part of that is because they're confident just saying, we're going to sit back because once we get the ball, we can get it up to Bappe, we can get up to Griezmann, we can get up to Benzema, and we'll be okay. Once this, once this you know, tournament starts to heat up, I get concerned yeah. with them when they play against a better squad. Um, yeah. So I'm concerned about France, and I'm concerned about England and Southgate and whatever the heck he's doing with those lineups. <laughs> oh, England, though, it's just like they 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 put enough, well, Sterling puts enough out there to, to make you think that this team deserves to be leading up by three or four goals, but he never finished at all. And it's just like, the, it's like the weirdest thing, you know, and I'm hoping for it goes to, they go into the round of 16s and they have to like go into PK rounds. Cause you know, that's what's going to, that's what the England English fans want, you know, just, just to get a PK round, be able to, to, to itch it more. But I mean, and, and speaking of like, in to response to France, I mean, like, I, I feel that like without an Mbappe, like you don't you 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 don't really like what happens if he gets hurt like we in Minnesota we talked about the Reno, Reynoso factor right like Reynoso gets hit by a bus what do we do and we see what we 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 can do we don't do very well without that but with but but without an, an, an Mbappe who what does France really do like if you find someone that either they decide to body him or they decide to just contain him as much as they can which is super hard to do but if you do that what are you going to do and I remember the last World Cup when Peru played. France, it was a very close game until Mbappe was able to get off on a run. And that's what you're banking on. And that, as much as it has been effective and it works, uh, it's also a double-edged sword. And that's what's scary. With so much talent and how to build in the midfield, instead of just trying to ping-pong it back and forth and hit a long ball, right? Which is, you know, what a lot of high schools do nowadays. It's just ping-pong the ball and then they go, long ball, ping-pong the ball in the middle, long ball. And you just, just hate to see is, 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 um, you want to be able to move the center. You want to move the center backs. You want to be able to move the midfield and to be able to just create spaces. And that's the, that's the thing that, you know, that, that you can see France can do, but will they do it is a question. Well, well, um, they won't. (laughs) The, uh, I do want to revel in the, you know, speaking of, uh, screwing over the colonizers, uh, Scotland. Getting that nil-nil draw with England was a, a, a hilarious, awesome result. Um, I, I want to point out the one thing. We don't know too much about the next round yet because it's not all, all fixed. It will be maybe by the time you've listened to this. But one thing that we do know, um, aside from Denmark going through, is um, that, that England looked likely to win their group, which puts them up against... Um, the number two team in group F in the group of death, death. So likely Germany. And then, um, you know, assuming France gets a result against Portugal and then they would go up against, uh, the winner of, of one E. Um, well, I guess that will be Sweden. So that won't be as easy or it won't be as, as difficult. But anyway, I just love the idea that England are going to get the shit kicked out of them by Germany in the, uh, the first round of the knockouts. So. It's, it's concerning to me, Wes. It's concerning. It's super concerning to see England look like this. Um, 
I already know a lot of uh, the English fans take to Twitter automatically just to roast Southgate for the fun of it, but he deserves it. You know, when you have a team that's as talented and stacked as England is um, in their in their wings and their attack in particular, and he just seems to always find a way to make you mad by his selections. You, you you know you got you know something's bad's going on. I mean, Jadon Sancho has barely sniffed the pitch during this Euros. You know, like he's he's probably just putting up the chalk on the pitch before every game and just like, ah, oh, maybe today I'll play. Um, and you know, you talked about Sterling earlier. If you look across the last season, I don't think he has any reason to even be starting for England currently. I think Jack Grealish, who has been one of the better players um, in the EPL in the last season, who's been the most threatening player on England um, every time he's played in the internationals deserves a crack at it as well. But there's enough opportunities there for different players to showcase what they have, but Southgate seems to be very stubborn. He's Let's the gatekeeper. Um, That's what he is. Uh, I, w- I want to move uh, a bit to... Uh, to we-, we talked a little bit about Copa America with the, the fun time for Chile, and since we got to make fun of uh, Chile, um, let's talk about uh, Peru versus Brazil, because that was... Uh, I made some pisco sours at the bar, and um, okay, you are uh, the only one allowed to make pisco sours. Because by the way, the other pisco sour that I drank, like it tasted like amaretto, and like literally, like I hate sweet drinks. And I was like, and I turned to Paolo, and I was like, "Say who who made yours?" Wes, was it good? He's like, "Yeah, okay." I was like, "I don't want to go and yell at our bartender." Oh, and I'll be yeah. like, but I was like, I was like, I was like, yeah. I walked yeah, into David's. Yeah, this tastes like amaretto. So this. I walked this, into David's shift, and uh, and I I was like, "Hey, here's a recipe. I'm making a few." And he was like, "I'll do it." And I was like, "I I I, I foisted that upon my bartender." So uh, I, my my bad on that. But Paolo, I'm I'm not not sure uh, not sure he has uh, that much experience with, with pisco. I feel like that, that this is something that you need to uh, take him down and and have a a, a brew night and just bring bring them all in and do a Pisco tasting there. But we're getting away from the real fact, which was Peru were absolute shit. They were terrible. Well, I mean, of course. I mean, they were sitting at 10th place, right, in the qualifiers, like literally right right at the bottom, right? I mean, and it's been um, uh, – Gareca has always been the one that likes to have his trust – uh, players on there and a lot of those players are a lot of older players but if you look at this Copa America there's been so many teams that are not sending their the premier squad right I mean Peru had two staff players and two players and two staff members test positive right Bolivia had their star star striker test positive and then blast uh Comet Bowl on his in and their Instagram about what happens if if, if one of these players that gets Gets, uh, gets COVID dies, right? What is it? Is it, is it on COVID ball, right? What is it really good? Venezuela had to call up a whole different roster from, uh, their local league and they're actually doing pretty decently. I mean, like it's, you know, it's, it's just, it's just a, a, a Copa America with an asterisk. And the last time we played Brazil was in Brazil. For the finals, and we lost three to one. But previous to that, we had them in the same group because we always get paired with them in the same group. We lost five nothing, and we were still able to qualify. So the fact that we lost four four nothing, like they play like crap, and I'll give it to you. Yeah, they did, and a lot of people appreciated the fact that I was yelling at the at the big screen in your bar and and <laughs> cussing up in Spanish and 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 in Peruvian slang. 
to anything and anything that moves, specifically all the Brazilian players that kept on falling. But regardless, because we, because we can talk about that Neymar PK that wasn't really a PK because eventually VAR actually worked for once. And, and, and it was, it was, but overall, I mean, I, I think this has been a Copa America where like it, each game is a different game. And I, and I think that's, that's that. If you look at, if you, if you would have started the Copa America and you would have said Uruguay, would be doing as poorly as they're doing, I wouldn't have believed it, right? Like, if you would have said, well, I would have believed if you said Chile's playing poorly because that's just the way I feel about Chile. But, um, you're not, you're but not if you would have said they absolutely that, are. yeah, no, no, I mean, and that's like, like I've seen it. It's, it's not, it's not the greatest. If, if you would have said Ecuador, who is, uh, in the qualifying, uh, race is, is, is in the top five. It's not playing as great. You, 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 you would, I would have said if Colombia without James would have, would have, are doing the things that they're not supposed to be doing. It's just, just, you know, one of those things that you don't see. So this has been like a, a Copa America with the asterisks, like the last kind of weird Copa America like this. And, and I've been an advocate for this, like, and I'm, I'm still mad that they didn't do it, but when it was in 1963, when it was in, when it was in Bolivia, right? Where it was just, you know, a very short, Round robin because I think two, I think Uruguay and Chile backed out. Um, and it was, was one of these where like, and it, it, it is this way. And I think it's going to be this way all the way through. Uh, let's just remind ourselves that to, uh, th- this was the closest that ever, like, if there was, if there ever was a creation of union of players, like famous star players in, in South America, it was literally this close for being created. From a lot of the Brazilian superstars saying they were, did they not want to play a lot of, I mean, you, you, you saw Cavani on a press conference just giving it into Come Bowl. You saw, I mean, when Luis Suarez says the same thing, I mean, when like people are all in the, sounding off that they don't want this to happen, but knowing that it's their obligation to play because that's what they do, it, it, it just really takes the fun out of everything else, right? And I think that's one of the things too. That has been about this Copa America. It's been a strange one and it's going to be a memorable one because of the situation that it's in and the places that it's taking and, and, and the lives that are, that are at a risk. And I think that's the other thing too that, 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 that loses its touch is, is how that, and by the way, Peru did defeat Colombia two to one, um, in the next game. So, so there, it, there, there goes that. Maybe it's your bar. It took you, yeah, yeah. It took you a while to get to the good news there, which is that, uh, which is that Peru beat uh, Colombia. You know, as as, as a writer, you have to build up the narrative in order to be able to sell, <laughs> right? <laughs> to sell the 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 climax of the story and to be able to hook in. If you if if, if people are still listening to this podcast by now, then then we've done <laughs> no, our job. No one's listening. No, no, we're we're safe. Don't worry. <laughs> Um, all right, we're going to take a break. Uh, at that point, um, our, our friend uh, Jeffrey is going to leave us uh, so that we can uh, wallow in the the one one uh, FC Dallas Minnesota United draw. Uh, Jeffrey, thanks for joining us, and uh, just um, start prepping your futon for uh, for next uh, for next March when when the U.S. comes to town. Oh man, the three of you are more than welcome to come down. I look forward to having all of you down here in Mexico City. Show you a good time. We're, right, we're, thanks. We're, uh, we're all the little spoon. <laughs> well, so am uh, I. So. <laughs> I'm a big-ass spoon. <laughs> Say less. Well, I appreciate, appreciate you for having me on. Take care. Back 
back on the 55-1 podcast. It's Minnesota United time. Let's talk about uh, this past week where Minnesota went to FC Dallas. They were uh, they, they had never gotten a point. But before that, um, we'll talk about a little bit of this week, Wednesday night, the first night that Allianz will be almost just about full capacity. Um, you've got to leave a few rows uh, empty for the Holy Spirit and Elijah. But um, other than that, the the stadium will be full. Uh, it's going to be their pride night. Um, Blackheart is going to have a free drag show afterwards. I'm not going to be there because I stupidly uh, planned this uh, this vacation during that period. But um, it's going to be uh, a lot of people back and ready to be sloppy. And it's going to be funny and weird. And uh, I'm, I'm bummed that I can't make it. But, uh, but you know, if anyone wants my ticket, uh, I've got one. So, yeah, I got four. So, okay. Yeah, you got on. We're all unloading our tickets. Corey, <laughs> you can go sit in multiple spaces. So. I'll just, I'll just roam. I'll be, uh, I'll be, uh, I don't know. Cool. Great. Great. Awesome. Excellent. Just- so, uh, other news is that Christian Ramirez, uh, apparently his, um, when he, when he was banished from, uh, Minnesota, he was, uh, the curse that he would never play at Allianz Field um, happened and that he's going to be transferred to Aberdeen FC and that that is imminent. Uh, his move to Scotland has taken a big pay cut to go there, but um, but people are, are, are kind of reporting that it's about to happen. And uh, good for Christian. I think that um, it's a weird move. I think I'm not actually sure he is... His skill set is super suited to that, but also like, you know, man, just go live your dream. Take your family over to Scotland for a couple of years. Go, go score some goals. His his Instagram story. I saw some packing boxes with uh, Fred Gilay on the side. So uh, in mm-hmm. the in the background, and uh, yeah. So who knows, man? That house has um, to be like the nicest Airbnb they'll rent out. Like, because the house they built in Houston is like. They got a, they're just built in a pool and they got a trampoline. I mean, like, that's going to be a real nice Airbnb, but I'm, I'm sure some other random, uh, dynamo player will, will end up renting it from him. Um, so the other big news is that Frank Payne, Frank Payne, Frank uh, Payne made the, M- made the MLS team of the week. He got his first start. He got his first goal and that was in. The Dallas draw. So let's talk about that. Um, team did not obviously have Greg Ush and Lude. They are still at the, um, the Euros. Um, we had the start of Unu and the start of Frank Payne on the left. We also had Nico Hansen starting on the right. He of the, um, very attractive, uh, beard and hair. And, uh, and then you had the three man midfield of Jacory Hayes. Um, Hassani Dotson and Will Trapp. So, what do we make of this? Uh, especially the first half. Let's, let's start there. I, I think that we, we started pretty lively. Um, I think we had a ton of good chances. I mean, for, for being on the road, this is probably the most positive, one of the most positive experiences I've had from watching our team on the road, which has always been either great or abysmal. Um, I think 
Nico Hansen on the right makes sense, given that Lud is out and that Ethan Finley still coming back from some injury. Um, you know, Fragapane on the left is it's fantastic to see him start. You can tell that he's still match fit. He's making the right runs. He's providing support for Chase. Uh, we didn't see a lot of Chase blunders in this one because of that. Um, Unu, I thought, looked great up top. I think he's still a little rusty with his finishing and his touch. But he's making the runs, and he's got the right ideas. Um, what else is there to say? I mean, Reynoso, we, I don't think we any of us expected him to start on the road after his knee injury. Um, I'm glad that, that he put Dotson in a pseudo-10 role, and Dotson on the field is always better than no Dotson on the field. So, I've got a few questions, then. Um to, to ask that. Um, well, let's start with thoughts. And I had someone, a couple of people who I respect and, and like a lot suggest that it's been two years and we have not figured out a stable place for Dotson to thrive. And they think Dotson's sale price is never going to be higher and that we offload him. And, uh, I thought that this was a bad idea. But I wanted to bring it to you two and see what you thought with that about that idea. Rodrigo, you go first. I don't like it, but I, I understand it, right? I mean, like, um, we've been from the beginning when he was drafted, we're like, let the kid play. And then he got to put out, he got started as, as left back and then he started getting more playing time. But the, the excuse has always been is that we have uh, a, a midfielder in front of him. That's better, and uh, and when and when we got Reynoso, I talked about how like well, what's 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 Gregorich gonna do now, and um, he's he's still trying to figure out what he's going to do in a sense. His role is not the same, and I think as he is older, it, it's gonna be a conversation of more like instead of offloading Dotson, I would want Dotson to be our eight, and let's just like I've been saying, you know, sell Gregorich. Buy him down and then trade him somewhere or something like that. I think you're, as much as Gregus is a great player, like you're not going to be able to, if you're going to invest into the future, then, then, then I think Dotson is the way to do it. But this team's also so, sold on happy players. And I guess my question is, how happy is Dotson? I mean, that would be my question. Yeah. That I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I, six months ago, I would not have been on the sell Gregus train. But seeing how we react with Reynoso and how the dynamic has shifted since we've incorporated Reynoso, and now that we have a couple of flashes of Fragapane but and and Unu, but to see Hassani in the in the lineup more often, and to see what he can do and what he brings is kind of like this. He is an eight. He is an eight. But I still, I'm convinced he's like this chaos eight, where just like let him let him find the game with whoever the ten is. And I, I think you're right. I think it is get a six behind him and let Dotson find the game and let Dotson find the game with the 10. Let him run side by side with a Reynoso or just behind him. Um, I think that should ultimately be the long goal. But if it's not, and I think United doesn't know yet, the front office doesn't know yet, that's why you lock him down to a three-year contract that if you do want to sell him, They've got to buy out the contract. They got to, you know, you've got the, the, the transfer fee goes, goes way up. So 
if they can't figure it out by the end of the season, whether they're going to unload Gregouche, which they've, again, they've already bought him down. He's not a DP anymore. You know, I, that, that's how I would do it. So maybe, maybe I should go back and, and go to an earlier question I'm thinking about, which is, um, the first half we looked pretty good. We, um, we were able to move the ball around well. We were pressuring Dallas. Dallas looked dead and asleep. Um, and we got the, we got the goal from Frank Payne. Um, the midfield I thought was really working. I thought Will Trap worked all game. I, I think I, I talked to a few people who are Will Trap haters and I'm looking at it and he's getting interceptions. He completed. 38 of 40 passes. Um, and they're not just thinking the ball backwards to Michael Boxall. You know, he is winning duels. Um, yeah, he had five interceptions and 10 recoveries, six of them in the opposition's half. He, he had that, he had that one hand, handball at, you know, the top of the box, but it wasn't a PK. It, you, you know, it sucked, but whatever. I thought, I he, I thought him, he's been great. And, so him and I uh, look at, I thought Jacory Hayes was really good. Um, I, uh, was watching this in the hotel room. And so, um, you know, didn't really get a good sense of how Hassani was doing. But you, know, I thought that midfield was working, right? Second half things changed and it was not working. The entire team was not working somehow. Um, the, the protection for the center backs and then Debassi was getting pulled out of, of place. Um, and then, uh, Ozzy Alonso comes in for Jacory Hayes, which I thought was a really interesting move. And that's a, a Minnesota interesting meaning. Um, I, I think Ozzy has been brought in many times this season to shore up the midfield and to protect the lead. And I don't think it's worked any of the times. Um, and I, I just, I think that the midfield trio without Ozzy didn't, you know, it didn't look better with him, uh, I should say. And, and so that, that's also what I'm thinking then with what's Dotson doing, what's Ozzy doing and who's actually working here. So I'm, well, I'm, I'm mulling through those ideas right now. I mean, I, I think I know that Rodrigo will be with me on like, I'm a huge DeCorey Hayes fan. I think he proved his worth last season. Um, I know he had some injuries and he wasn't fully match fit. And I think we're seeing that, but man, to have him come off and, and part of it was a formation change too. Cause right at, at that, at, you know, Finlay came on. So at that, that, at that time, it was, um, what that was 68 minutes at 67 minutes. Ozzy came on for Hayes. Ethan Finley came on for Nico. Um, should have been a like for like, but. Ozzy had that drop off. Some there were gaps forming either because they didn't communicate that it was shifting to a four two three one, or we needed to be more of like a flat four three three. Whatever, whatever the the instructions were, Ozzy was chasing, was trying to chase the game, and he was letting spots open up instead of being that stay at home six in front of the center backs, and. And that lack of awareness, he he chased down a couple players, which opened up space, which led to the pass, which led to the goal. And that's not the first time that we've seen some of that. It's not that his mental acuity isn't there. He's just not he's just not fast enough. And so, you know, this is not the first time that we've whether he plays in the first half or the second half, it's it's a theme 
And I don't know if he just works better with someone like Gregoosh in front of him, who will provide him a little bit more protection. But it's it, it's it something wasn't working there, and and that um yeah that 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 direct action led to the goal. I I think if if we take it back to Jacory, I think Jacory, when given the opportunities. Like he needs, he needs, he needs time to be able to get in, get into, get into groove. And I think in this game, um, he was able to talk about, uh, he was able to, to, to do things that we have seen him do. Like, for example, like, what was it like on the 36 minute when he wrestled the ball from Facundo Quinon and then took a long run dribble all the way and then second assisted it to a new and a new shot. It was a decent shot that, that the keeper, I uh, was able to get a hand on, and then what? We, if you've not watched Fragapane play uh, for Talleres, he gets a lot of his goals of rebounds, right? And so he's exactly at the same place where was, we, we always say, "Follow your shots," right? He followed the shot; he was right there and was able, able, they were able to tap it in, and that and that's how you, you see you see how that that run is important, even though he did score. Fragapane was able to get that. And I think if we have someone who, um, who can do that, then I don't, I, I, as much as I love seeing Ozzy out there, Ozzy needs to need some time to warm up and, and go in. Like if you're going to put Ozzy, you start him Like you don't bring him in in the second half because he, there, there it's going to take him, you know, 10 to 12 minutes to get him into like get into the game groove and understand what's going on. If you do that, you're just asking for trouble. Specifically if you don't have another person that can help him in the aspect of that. And that's what we've been seeing here. Every time he goes in, it, it he has to adjust. And he's not very well adjusting on the run without understanding what else is going on. And I think Manu has been getting better and better and taking shots and, and he's he's proving that he can be effective. Now the question is Let's see when he has two more games under him and he finally scores, starts scoring some goals. Cause I think he's getting close, but I also think having a Fragapane on the left relieves a lot of pressure and, and opens up spaces at the same time. You know who else scores a lot of, uh, rebounds? Robin Lud. So, you know, I, I think having, uh, Frank Payne and, uh, Robin Lud, uh, making those runs in from the, from their respective wings. Uh, and, you know, we know that Bebelo is not going to score goals. So having them there to do that is helpful. Right. I was really impressed with Adrian Nunu. I thought that he looked, um, you know, really bright, really, you know, engaged with the game, doing a good job of pressuring. Um, and yeah, he was a bit unlucky because Jimmy Maurer, who, uh, Apparently on Twitter, he was telling me how he holds a grudge, uh, from, from the old days when we used to make fun of him when he was at the Silverbacks, which I don't remember him being an Atlanta player. I only remember him as a Cosmos player. So he was, he, he was like, sorry, I, I hold a grudge. So, well, well that's, that, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, um, he had several, yeah. several saves that were, that were fantastic. Yeah. He and was, who knew? Yeah, he scored on most yeah he was great, uh, and and that's and that's the other thing that, like, I think the last thing we can talk about for this match, which was, you know, 
it, it's the thing that, that, that burns us, which is, you know, our finishing at 70 minutes in. Finlay had a great cross into Unu, who couldn't tap the ball into net because Mauro was so good. He, he came out and he cut down the angle and he wasn't afraid to defend. Um, 81 minute, like Reynoso had as much of a sitter as you can get in the box yeah. like that. But, but we've seen that from him before. Like he yeah. has an open nets and it goes wide right or goes over the bar. Yeah. And like, I get it that he's not supposed to be your top scorer. And when he scores free kicks, it's like beautiful and amazing. Right. But for crying out loud. Just, just tap, tap that it ball in. in. Just tap it do, in. Do, do, do Amina, do Amina and just like bounce it off your body and let the ball go in. Just, just and happy then, Gilmore. Just tap it in. I don't, I don't care. Just, just anyway, use, use any other parts of your body to get the ball in. I don't care. Yeah. Just get the ball into it's the a, goal. Yeah. Like that's, that's the thing is like, my question is, is like, we started with a four, three, three, right? Um, is this, with with the people that we have now, and with the return of Lou, do do we do we stick with the four three three or do we go for the four two three one? Uh, in that situation, how how was how does how does that look in a sense? I mean, I, I think you have to go with um, the best um, set of players out there who can do the job that you want, which is you want. Uh, Bebelo out, you have to have Bebelo out on the pitch. Frank Payne looks great. Adrian Nunu, we think, looks really good. Um, uh, we should mention that apparently no one will pass to, uh, one Jope, which, uh, I think is just punishment for his bucket hat. He looks so sad every time everyone, they shot and he's like, guys, I'm right here. Um, but Robin Lud, right? You've got that four person attack, um, pulling one of them out so that you can have, an extra midfielder in there doesn't make sense. And then I think you got to figure out what two man midfield you can make, uh, work. Um, because I think it has to be a four, two, three, one. Yeah. And it's, and is, is that a, is that a trap Dotson right now? Is it a trap haze? What does it look like? I think Will Trap has earned enough. He has like enough defensive, um, it's strength. It's a trap Grey Goose. Yeah. 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 I, I think Grey Goose, until we, until we get, until we, uh, offload him if we are going to. Well, yeah, yeah, it's, it, yeah, but, um, but I mean, he's, he's going to be in the, in the knockout rounds at the, at the Euros. And so might Robin Lud for that matter. Like, we don't know. Fin, like, Finland could, could go through. Okay. Aren't you guys, aren't you guys, we should have gotten like a, like a Spanish international team, international. So that way they wouldn't be in, in, in the, in the next exactly. round and we just, and they'd just be able to come home and help us out. We can't we can't get players from these powerhouses like Finland and and like lose them all the time. <laughs> all right, um, comrades, it's been a it's been a while. I've been driving all day. I'm I'm gonna die soon. So, but I will be thinking of all of you, each and every one of you, while I um while I eat lobster all week yeah. and um, enjoy don't, your time at the game. And don't uh, don't don't turn the color of the ro- lobster while you're out there in the sun, please. Oh no, know. I'm 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 good at skincare. Okay, that's good. I take that's care awesome. of my this, yeah. This body don't don't temple. don't don't get don't get bothered like a Frank O'Hara and a Michael Box though. So, <laughs> <laughs> all right, kids, take care. Bye.